Welcome to another episode of Damsels in Discussion, where we discuss the week's pop culture from a funny, foul-mouthed feminist perspective. We got a full week this week with big episodes of Mad Men in Nashville and Game of Thrones as well. I am Brandy in Los Angeles. I'm Shannon in Oakland. And I'm Teresa in Brooklyn. So, Mad Men, it's, it's a big business change again, and... I love the office stuff more than the other stuff that goes on in the show. So this was fun. I thought this was a fun one. It was really fun. It was so fucking amazing. This episode, I loved it so much and it was so much office and the office stuff trumps the personal stuff every time, as far as I'm concerned. And even the personal stories linked into the office stories, which made them so good also. Yeah, it reminded me of that great finale when they actually leave to form their own agency and just the excitement and the energy around it. It really was reminiscent of that. Yeah. yeah. And can I just say Ted Cha is just the dreamiest. <laughs> I just want to rip those turtlenecks off, though. <laughs> when Peggy's like dreaming of making out with him and that's the outfit she chose in her fantasy is like a turtleneck with a blazer. <laughs> Girl. With a, no, Listen I think up. it was a velvet smoking jacket, actually. It was. It was. Listen up. <laughs> and I, I had to pause because I was laughing so hard at the fact that he was reading something by Ralph Waldo Emerson. <laughs> I laughed like, a lot this episode. That is like a joke from a 1940s movie. And, like, where did it come from? Because that's what Peggy's brain would go to would be 1940s movies. It was so perfect on so many levels. <laughs> I mean, let's get serious. If any of us on this podcast were having some steamy fantasy, it would probably have some element of nerddom in there, you know? It's <laughs> not, he was reading Shakespeare, you know, it's so hot. We got a lot of steaminess. I mean, I liked the, the Ted Peggy kiss. I was into it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel bad for Abe, who's there trying to fix up their literally shit covered apartment apparently you guys they live in my apartment in gentrified <laughs> oakland <laughs> i actually haven't had human poop on my steps but i have in front of a an office i've worked at so been there done that and it was like all the sounds and just everything i was like they live in my apartment <laughs> oh she seems awfully patient i have to admit mm-hmm. i mean she's she's really She's really kind of just, I mean, she's plunked all the money down on this apartment. It's probably the whole brownstone, I'm guessing, because they have a tenant. Right. Yeah, I was a little confused about that. Yeah, they probably bought an entire brownstone building on the uh, Upper West Side, and they have a tenant that they're not getting rid of because Abe feels sorry for her. And um, this is her money that has gone into this. I mean, what is she thinking that, that she's done, you know? Either she has a lot of faith in Abe or she's just incredibly patient. Well, I think she really straddles these two worlds of she's, you know, like she would go to all those parties. Like she's definitely kind of this like liberal artist, hippie, halfway 
And then she's like, you know, the Catholic girl who wants to have the nice apartment and the successful, ambitious career. So I think we're seeing the intersection of those. Yeah. I think it's fun to watch her try to kind of meld the two worlds. I'm not so sure it'll be able to work forever, but I mean, Ted Shaw's line where he was like, you're not even 30 yet. I was like, damn, Peggy's younger than me. <laughs> like, I, for- I forgot because she kind of acts older sometimes, but totally. she should be trying to do whatever she wants right now and just see how things go, I think. Yeah, I I have to say I really felt for her when she opened the door and she saw Don <gasps> and she looked like she wanted to puke. And I think it's really interesting. Her reaction to seeing Don and Joan's reaction to Don were very similar, like very nauseous anger. Like you're always trying to tell me the life I'm supposed to be living. Uh-huh. Very interesting. His two little protégés in the business world. I loved Joan yelling at him. Like, it was everything that I wish somebody had said to him about the way he's been acting about this account all season. And just the way he acts in general, the holier-than-thou, my way or the highway way that he acts, which actually kind of undermined some of my enjoyment of at how well things went because I was like, damn it, Don wins again. Like, he's, did, he isn't going to learn this lesson. He really needs to learn it, and he's not going to learn it this time. Well, I, I love Don. I mean, I love Joan's speech so much because – she really was like, now you've made me a whore because now you've made everything I did for nothing where before it had a purpose outside of her and her own self-promotion. It was for the company that she believes in and he cheapened her and he thought he was being her, her knight in shining armor. And he is the one that cheapened her. The world's snarkiest knight in shining armor. He always has to make a comment. Like he always has to be like, Oh, 200 pounds lighter, 300 pounds lighter, whatever he said. It was so mean. I know. I I did think that Joan, I mean, we do we do uh, pretty clearly get told that Joan is going to make a million dollars, which in 1968 money is. Thank you for doing the math, writers, because I never would have figured it out. <laughs> like, thank you for just telling me it's a lot of money. <laughs> One thing that struck me when, Joan got mad at Don and she was completely right in telling him off because he just keeps doing things without thinking about anybody else. But I did think like Joan is going to make a million dollars if the company goes public and she's the smallest shareholder and she's going to make a million dollars, which is um, a fortune in 1968 money. So I don't know. I have, I have a little mixed feelings about why she did it, you know? Well, I think that, yeah, okay, there's the promise of the million dollars, which she doesn't have, but what she's living with day to day in that office is everybody looking at her like she's a whore. You know, we already saw Harry go off on her in front of a lot of people. We already saw Pete grossly come on to her at the beginning of the episode. What she's living with day to day is the, the perspective everybody has of her, of this decision. It's and it's great that, yeah, she can make a million dollars at the end of it, but that's still not even real yet. Yeah, and the other thing is validation for the work she's been doing. You know, we ourselves ask the question, what is it that Joan is doing when she's in her office? Well, here's the answer. She's been getting all of their financial papers together for this guy to go over, and he compliments her on what a good do- job she did. She is going to be the person that makes this possible because no one else could have picked up where Lane left off. 
Totally. She is the businessman in that office. And I love that he complimented her. And it was kind of neat seeing Bert have this shrewd business sense of like asking more per share, but he's still not going to ever sit down and do the paperwork. I don't even think I've ever seen him pick up a pen. He just sits on couches <laughs> and talks without shoes on. So, you know, someone's got to do the heavy lifting paperwork and that's going to be Joan. Some great Bert moments in this episode when he <laughs> asks for like Elder, essence of elderflower. <laughs> And Pete was like, uh, no, I don't have any laudanum either. I, so many good one-liners in this episode. I laughed so much in this episode, but I have to tell you the line that killed me the most was when they're at the dinner with the Jaguar guy and Don goes, I love puppies. I just <laughs> lost my shit. It was just like, you are blowing smoke up this guy's ass and I love it. <laughs> that was, that was beautiful. I love puppies. You would do nothing but raise your eyebrow at a puppy, Don Draper. <laughs> And then Marie's mom, who was like, uh, she is the apple that you put in the pig's mouth. Oh, she <laughs> had some good great. ones, too. God, if I could oh. only be that clever. It was amazing. <laughs> Peaches. I love having Marie around. I, I, I mean, she's definitely like, she would get old if she was there all the time. But I was really happy to see her pop up again. Um, and her advice to Megan that was basically like more blowjobs will save your marriage is just she was right. Like I know, but Sylvia. can you imagine having that conversation with your mother? Like I definitely Well, can't. if your mother's French, I guess <laughs> you have that conversation. I really want to buy the dating advice book from Marie because you know it's gonna be good. She's hilarious. Forget well, you my know name bitch face. <laughs> I thought it was really interesting with her talking to Dr. Mm -hmm. Heart Surgeon. You know, I mean, he was completely, you know, a laser beam focused on her. Yeah. And she, you know, she's going on about how he's attractive and you should watch Megan around him, you know, joking. But it was very interesting how her attention made him look more attractive. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're so obviously moving to Houston. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I actually really enjoy not seeing Sylvia. Gonna be honest. Yeah. She's a real <laughs> drag. You. Sorry, Linda Carnellini. We love you. We still, Put yeah, we still love you. We're blaming the writers for this one, not you, Linda. So we also got some great Trudy moments. The whole theme of this episode is the demise of Pete's life. Because we start off on a huge high for Pete. He's been secretly working on this deal to make the company go public. It's going to happen. He's going to make a lot of money. He's like, I'm going to get Trudy back with this money. Then he goes to this whorehouse, <laughs> sees his father. Oh, God. And Bob Benson tries to pay for the prostitute. Oh, my I God. Brandy, there were so it. many Bob Benson moments. I love Bob Benson. He's everywhere. He's fucking everywhere. <laughs> with his two cups of coffee. Oh, in my hand. God. <laughs> Gesturing with the coffee. I couldn't. I just this guy, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to derail, but you know what he does to me. It's really it's nails on a chalkboard. I mean, you know what? I think he's going to be a serial killer. <laughs> no. I do think he's going to be. Yeah. We'll follow him home one day and I'll have women. I think so. I mean, there is something fucking creepy about him. When he with those two cups of coffee, I was like, this is gross. And he's, yeah, and he's just hanging out in the hallway at the whorehouse wanting to pay for Pete. I think, like, oh. I mean, maybe he will eventually poison Pete to try to take over his life. 
Like, okay, now he's bought Pete toilet paper and a four. Pretty gross. <laughs> Pretty gross. About your theme speech. I'm really sorry to have interrupted that. Um, oh, it's all right. I was expecting this outburst. Yeah, every time he showed up in that blue suit, I was like, Brandy's going to be so bad. <laughs> Can I just say, after Ted Shaw, I love Bob Benson. Why? <laughs> I just love him. I don't know. <laughs> So you, like funny. These, you like these geeky boys. They're not geeky. Come on. Did you go buy Ed a turtleneck this week? Be honest. <laughs> no, but I did buy him a red velvet um, smoking jacket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I actually have put a picture of Ted Shaw on my pillow so I can kiss him goodnight before oh, I quit bed. <laughs> that's so normal and age appropriate. I'm just so happy you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wait, no, but Pete. Yeah, Pete, his life is over. He's basically getting a divorce now. He just lost the biggest account that he brought in. Because we see Roger bringing it. You know, Roger's got his mojo back. So Roger brought in a new account. Pete's account is out. Kenny's doing fine. I don't know what's going to happen with Pete. And he just like threw a hissy fit and fell down the stairs. Also, one of the best. (laughs) Pete falling down the oh stairs was beautiful. It's a beautiful detail. But, you know, I kind of felt bad for Pete. What? Am I allowed to feel bad for him? Oh, no. he, he's what he no, I, I can definitely feel bad for Pete on a business level that he's been putting together this deal. And once again, Don just swoops in and it's Don's way without ever considering anyone else. Do you remember when when uh, Pete put together that incredible aerospace deal, and yeah. then they had to kill it because Don didn't want the FBI background check, and it looked like Pete had messed it up when in fact it was at Don's request, basically. Right, and yeah. This thing with Don and Pete is has been going on for a long time, and it keeps happening. But the other thing is too. I mean, I don't think Pete's such a great husband of the year for being at that party house on Lexington Avenue. But his father-in-law was there, too. I don't understand. Like, the father-in-law is like, oh, my daughter's a princess, and you can't cheat on her with prostitutes. But my wife, mm, not so much. So it's not a problem. Well, yeah. I think he's never liked Pete. I mean, I think this is the straw that broke the, the father-in-law's back. You know, I think he's never liked Pete. He never thought he was good enough. He really loves his daughter. Yeah. So it is. it is different. I feel bad for Pete there almost, too, because the, one of the reasons they don't like him is because he didn't get an inheritance like they thought he was going to get that because his dad had squandered all of their family money. You know, like there's definitely layers like Pete is an asshole, but there are reasons why I understand the way he is the way he is when it comes to the business. At least. You know what? I'm with Trudy. You had a lot of choices. <laughs> Fuck you, I'm out. Mic drop. Yeah. I mean, I mean you've with, had a lot of choices. She said it. You know, and he's with like. With the cheating well, and everything, for sure. Yeah. And then when he's trying to fuck her in bed, and he's like, the most important part of our, our marriage. And I love her bitch slap. Yeah. Tammy, our daughter, who we have never seen a scene with him with his daughter. <laughs> Okay. I'm not clear that Tammy actually exists. Like this could be kind of like a hysterical thing on Trudy's part <laughs> from the way that they film. I know, things. poor Tammy. She's just gonna grow up to be a stripper <laughs> with a name like that, but or you know, a waitress in a truck stop. But you know, as a person who's named Brandy, I object to that. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, sorry. 
But seriously, Trudy, I love her, but I am sad because it does mean that she's going to leave the show. If she divorces him, then she leaves our orbit. Um, then I love her. I don't know. Maybe she'll start some club with Betty or something and we can see her sometime. <laughs> right. They join the gun club and they go shoot guns together. I would love that, actually. <laughs> That'd be pretty yeah, great. How come, how come no one's in a gun club? Pete has a gun, right? Yeah, he has that rifle that he traded the chip and dip for. <laughs> oh. Wow. That was a good memory. Season That's one. Right. <laughs> That's wow. another thing that could be interesting, speaking of calling back to season one, is um, Pete and Peggy working together again, because I always find that to be interesting. Right. So, it's guys, I'm really nervous about this merger. I just, I mean, I guess because I was seeing it all through Peggy's eyes. Oh, wait, pause. I have to say something that I found very interesting. Joan and Peggy just had so many similarities this episode. So when Joan is with Pete in the beginning... And she did a very secretary thing at the end. Tomorrow is Mother's Day, I hope you remember. Such a secretary thing. And mm-hmm. then at the end, they're like, Peggy, go write the press release. Such a secretary thing. It's like they both were relegated into the secretary role at the end of these kind of powerful scenes. And I found that very interesting. Hmm. I, I was just cringing at having Don talking to Peggy about anything. Yeah. I right. just don't want him to talk to Peggy about anything. Ted Shaw treats her so professionally. Okay, he is dreamy. I've established that. But he treats her like a professional, like like at the top of her game. And Don shows up, and it's just more of his weird Peggy handling. Yeah, I'm not – I mean, I, Peggy is my favorite character on the show. So I am really, really nervous about what this is going to do for Peggy because she's – broken free she's doing really well she's dressing better she's buying an apartment like she's on the up and up and dawn this is not good yeah although i wouldn't i wouldn't trade that scene in the bar between dawn and ted for anything that was so beautiful such beautiful writing (laughs) okay but i gotta stand up he's gonna stand up to do his pitch i was like oh ted you are adorable it's a good pitch uh, once again, Dawn is selling the absence of something. And then yes. you know, a week after those ads, we'll show the car. Yes, yeah. I noticed that too. The future Everything is something you never does. thought of. Yeah. It's a good tagline, but yeah. I did read online that the car that they're pitching is one of the biggest disasters Chevy has ever made. <laughs> oh, really? What yeah, was the it? the Vespa. Yeah. Oh. oh, the Vega, excuse me, the Vega. Oh, wow. I mm-hmm. heard of it. Yep, that's right. Okay, so moving on to Game of Thrones, which was a pretty big snooze fest, but I feel like this always happens in the middle of the season. It's a lot of, like, pushing the plot slowly forward, and then at the end we get a big payoff, but this episode was pretty boring. Yeah, it was a lot of just setting up the chessboard kind of things. Like, these these characters have to physically move to this place, uh, and then a lot of treading water with some other things, you know, I just, I, the only reason I want to mention the Theon storyline is because the storyline itself explained why it sucks so bad with the comment, this isn't happening to you for a reason. No, it's not happening for a reason. So why do we have to keep watching it? Like, oh, who, I don't this... want to look at that shit. It's what like, executive oh. producer has a torture fetish? Like, stop showing this to us. We don't need it. I don't watch the Saw movies. Please don't put it in my HBO programming. Role. Well, except that it's like this big 
part of the book and it's just as awful and annoying in the book in my opinion but it isn't something that tv people invented it's like a thing that's happening to theon and it's awful at least like i feel like we don't need to see it every episode though right. like, i it's, get it he's still there yeah him and sam god could I just? I, know, I, I, I knew you were gonna. Oh. If you were yelling at Bob Benson, I knew. <laughs> if, I knew that you were gonna be upset oh. about this oh, opening. Why scene is a White Samuel. Walker not? Do White Walkers only come out during finales? I mean, what is going on? <laughs> why is a White Walker not eating him? And then someone we're watching with a group of people gave me this bullshit answer. Oh, his heart is too pure. Fuck that. What? Are they that discerning? Just his heart's not that pure. He definitely wants to fuck Gilly. Like, the star can't be that pure. (laughs) No, he's just unwatchable. And as is, I have to say, Rob and his, like, war plans and his negotiations with those fried brothers. And, oh, the only good part of that whole storyline is Edmure, the, um, Catelyn's brother, who's such a loser. Yeah. But aside from that, um, it's just like <laughs> people are the he's, stupidest people in the world. He's definitely fun he's to watch in the him. like this guy, what a loser kind of way. This guy. Yeah, <laughs> totally. But yeah, I mean, it's literally a conversation we've heard before, and that's why it's frustrating to hear it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but good things about this episode, Arya meeting up with Melisandre, very interesting. And I did like the other conversations just in general. These people who follow the Lord of Light, Stannis accepted, obviously, are kind of interesting. I think that I love that she confirmed what I was saying last week, that Arya could go either way. And she saw evil in Arya's eyes and people that she's killed. And I love that because there is a darkness building in Arya. It's very fascinating. So I really like the scene between the two red priests. I like I like Melisandre talking to Thoros about the religion because we do see her like burning people up and stuff, but we don't really know too much about the religion. And it's interesting to have them talk about it a little more. And also High Valerian. Yeah, <laughs> right. Is this like a very old language? Is this like this is like an yeah, ancient language? It is the it's like the Latin of uh Okay, that's what I was thinking it was. Okay. Yeah. Like Valeria is where everything comes from, I think. And and it's also very classy to be Valerian or to speak high Valerian. So people from that part of the world speak speak Valerian. Yeah. Is this a thing like with um like Klingon or the language that the elves the Elvish in Lord of the Rings, like is this have they made up a real language? The well um that's Can a I really learn good Can question. I get a dictionary? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's a really good question. Somebody wrote to George R. R. Martin about that, some linguist, and said, oh, I would like the full vocabulary for Valerian, please. And Martin's like, I, I don't have any vocabulary. I just made up seven <laughs> words. No, but seriously, they may have started building a language for the shows. I mean, I don't know. They I don't remember all this. Yeah, they, they do say an awful lot. Um, so I don't know, but that Vala, Va, Valar, how they oh, greet each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vala Harris. Yeah. That's, that's like a standard. It's like all men must die. And I don't remember what the other one means. Very Russian. <laughs> Their greetings are all like very like, it's great. We haven't died yet. Yeah. You know, so sounds very Russian to me. But if you remember, um, 
Jakar, uh, who Arya, you know, met, who gave her all those death wishes, he yeah, taught yeah. her those words in Valerian. That's right. Yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, that's Great what he scene. taught her. I loved that guy. We weren't talking about this show back then, but I just want to say, Jack and Hagar was like one of my favorite characters. Oh, he needs to come back. I know, but it'll be a different actor, so it won't be the same if he shows up again. So, Guys, I just have to say the part that killed me of this episode. I mean, I'm watching it with like a room full of people, and when they cut over to Roz being dead oh. with those arrows in her, I just, it hit me harder than any death on the show, bigger than Ned, because she was this very smart whore stuck in this bad situation Worked her way up to an admin assistant, doing really well for herself, <laughs> and then just killed. And I think, like, honestly, I think it killed me because it's like, this is a lot of women's story. They're just sold into this sex slavery, and they're trying to work their way out, and they're still just an object to be killed. And I, I don't know, it just, it really upset me. I was, I'm really sad to have the show without her, and I was really yeah. sad at the end for her. And it really tied to reality of what a lot of women face. So Well, and scarily, now Joffrey has had his first taste of human blood. I mean, that is that the first is person we've seen him kill. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. They're all awful, but that's the thing. Everyone is awful. Everyone. Except Lady Olena. She's the best. <laughs> <laughs> But Lady Olena is such a badass. Oh my god, that scene with her and Tywin throwing it down. <laughs> Great conversation here. I, again, I was a little bit frustrated because nothing really happens in this scene. It's just, okay, now wedding planes will go ahead exactly as discussed in the last episode. But it was fun to watch the two of them speak very directly about where their power lies uh, how they're going to play their own hands, and then watch her kind of lose and still be like, this was the battle, not the war, Tywin. We'll meet again. Right. It was like a great Oscar Wilde play. I just have to say. Yeah. It was like totally witty, power play. It was amazing. I could just watch probably a three-hour special on them talking together, and it'd be <laughs> fine. I I love that she calls her grandson a sword swallower. I laugh so hard. <laughs> That was so good. But then after the whole thing and she's not going to win, she pulls out the incest card. I know. That was really (laughs) ballsy. Like, oh, yes. Well, my son is gay, but uh, sister and brother. He had a good retort where he was like, well, you just put all of your eggs onto this cart that you now want to tear down. So what are you doing, lady? That's true. Yeah, it was good. Uh, I'm excited. I I just, I really like episodes where there's more Daenerys and more Marjorie. Just have to say, that was a big... Yeah, thing. we didn't get to see either one of them. I guess we don't care about anybody at the wall. <laughs> nope. That's nope. 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 Okay. Uh, moving on to Nashville. I know what we do care about on Nashville. <gasps> Deacon mm-hmm. and Raina getting it on. And Liam and Raina, by the way. I know. Like, I was just, like, really on board with that. And I was like, yeah, go to the island, have some sexy times. And then it was like, what? I know. I was like, go have a rebound. Him and his cute scarves. It's cool. Mm -hmm. Just Mm -hmm. up, you know? 
And then it was like when she showed up at Deacon's doorstep, I was like, no, this is what I and you really want. And I'm glad we're on the same page, Rena. So. Oh, I was a little disappointed that she showed up at Deacon's door on this episode because I would have really liked her to go to St. Lucia with Liam first. I know. Then... They have a lot of good chemistry, yeah. And we still have four episodes left, I think, in the season. Like, things could go terribly wrong here. I don't know. And, uh, you know, it was just like, it was so cute when she told Tandy that she made out with Liam. And Tandy's like, we'll have a little fling. Like, it just felt like conversations I've had with my friends before, you know. I know. They're such like, cute you, sisters. Yeah, you deserve a little fling. Yeah. They're very cute, the two of them. I love the sister scenes. They're really great. Yeah. And Tandy's uh, gonna burn her father's company to the motherfucking ground. <laughs> why was he such an her. ass face to her? Like seriously. Ass He's an ass face. Oh, my God, but it was for, like, the most made-up reason in the world. Like, Raina was at my hospital bed, and you weren't. And she's sitting there being like, because I was, like, babysitting her daughters? But who would even defend themselves against that nonsense? Like, there's no defense. You know what, Lamar? You were on drugs. What the fuck do you know, is what I want to say. Oh, terrible. When I got my appendix out afterwards, I was so high on morphine. I didn't know who actually came to visit me and who I dreamt. And I kept telling people, thank you for coming to visit me. And they were like, I didn't. And I was like, oh, that's because I was high on morphine. Sorry. Maybe you should have come and visit your terrible friend. Goodbye. Those are my <laughs> Whoa. Therapy. Therapy for so, Shannon right now. No, I'm just being dramatic. See, if I didn't if I didn't know any better, I would say that they're teasing us with Liam and not with Deacon. And she's going to end up with Liam at the end. But- <gasps> Don't but say I don't, that. I don't well, know if I can live with that. That's like I a don't really know. deep cut, Therese. I don't know. I mean, as as hot as Raina and Deacon are together, and as much as they obviously do love each other, can I picture them just having a normal life together? I don't know. Are they star-crossed lovers? They might be. I know. Because you know they're going to be together, and you know what is the elephant secret in the room wearing glasses and singing cute country songs. <laughs> <laughs> is his real daughter maybe yep. that's what will happen on the finale is he'll find out and it'll ruin everything that she right. never told mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe I just want Raina to get laid for crying out loud is that too much to ask <laughs> I know you can feel it she needs it big time well yeah. she did right we're assuming that she did get laid at the end of this episode oh, yeah. but I yeah. love that line I never I never not loved you Oh, I love that I certainly never loved Stacy. Yeah. Oh God, can we get that bad haircut off? It's gross. Um, can we just talk about the other big kiss? What the fuck? Okay, you guys, I saw that coming from a mile away. That cowboy was so gay. I he was definitely overcompensating. I didn't know. I was shocked. I was shocked. Well, I should have mentioned it because now I'm just sort of saying, well, of course I knew. But the thing is that his character was so uninteresting to me that I didn't even bother mentioning that I thought that he was like totally gay and hitting on uh, Gunner. But anyway, yeah, there you go. Well, I I totally trust that you have better gaydar than I do. Mine's <laughs> awful. Um, I was shocked and excited because it was like, oh, something interesting with Gunner. But he's turned. God, he's such a douche, like, 8.0. I mean, he, I yeah. can't handle him. And then the whole Avery coming back, like, 
Scarlett mm-hmm. is so static. She needs to start making her own decisions. She needs to ditch these dudes. Like, seriously. God, Gunnar sucks. Yeah, and like Gunnar needs another thing to be butthurt about. Like he's gonna be like, oh, uh-huh, no pun intended. I thought, I thought <laughs> no pun intended. I thought I had a friend, but then it turned out that he just wanted in my pants. Like you just know he's gonna be an asshole about it and make it all about him. And it's like this particular problem is not actually about you. Sorry, guy. Like you can be mildly irritated for a second that you were kissed against your well, but only for a second because really you're not the one with the major problem in this situation. <laughs> It's also 2013. Yeah, get over it. I really you can be friends am surprised with the that Gunner doesn't wear more eyeliner. I mean, he's so emo. <laughs> he's wearing those little tight underwear. You know, he should really be wearing some eyeliner. <laughs> get this guy in an emo band. Why don't you? You can out. write some fanfic where Gunner is like, you know what? I'm gay too, and then they're together in their gay country band. It's gonna be like the saddest emo drag queen. That's what, right. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be amazing. Yeah. Oh my god. I just want Deacon Reyna. I want Tandy to burn down Lamar's fortress of shittiness and Peggy. Good riddance. I never cared oh. about you. Yeah, you, I. You're out. If I see one more navy blazer and nude hose with sensible (laughs) shoes, I'm going to lose it. Or you're going to start believing it's 1985 again. One of the two. Oh, terrible. At least in 1985, there would be some big hair and some eyeshadow to make it interesting, you know? Well, that actress, that actress, what's her name? Kimberly Williams? Yeah. She's so a Kimberly. She's so a fucking Kimberly. (laughs) So bad. To- that's her name. Gross. What a horrible name. I'm sorry, doll Kimberly. You're a- alienating so many potential listeners based on their names. <laughs> Just saying. Anyway. You know where she's from? Do you know where she's from? Do you remember the remake of Father of the Bride? <gasps> Steve Martin? Yes. Yeah. She played the daughter. Mm. Yeah. And in all sorts of random things, yeah. She really is from the 80s, as far as I'm concerned. Right. I'm excited. This picked up some steam. Juliet, what the fuck are you doing? Thank God Dante's gone. I don't know why he's with, you know, his aunt on the plane or whatever. (laughs) So much older than him. Um, She was probably like his same age, but we've just been seeing him with Juliet, who's 22. They seem like the same (laughs) age, but... uh, I just hope she learns a lesson and we get a new storyline. That's all I care about. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> see this one coming, but I'm glad to be rid of Dante quicker. Um, and I don't know. It seems like she kind of learned the wrong lesson, like not just get to know people and have a circle of people and be normal. Just never trust anyone again. I don't know if that's a good lesson to take. I'm ready for a new story with Julia and I'm ready for the last four episodes. Let's bring it. Okay, so does anybody have a one fabulous thing? I have a minor one fabulous thing um, because it doesn't really exist yet. But uh, I saw that Lynn Shelton, who is a director that I really love and everyone should really love because her movies are just hilarious and great. In her next movie, which is called Laggies and is about sort of a woman who... uh, is failing her twenties kind of thing, like not doing real life. Uh, it was going to start Anne Hathaway who I, I like Anne Hathaway, but I didn't really see that pairing quite as much. And now it's going to start Kira Knightley who I fucking love. And I think it's really? so, I think you it's love so her? 
I think it's so weird that people don't love her. <laughs> I think she's so really great. Boring. No, she's fabulous. And she has done way too many period pictures. And I'm really excited for her to do something just like easy and breezy the way Lynn Shelton is. Don't you and want her to eat something, though? She's so skinny. Not judging her based on her body, Shannon. Well, I mean, uh, it's mean. <laughs> she's really skinny. She's always looked like that. I'm not really that concerned about it. But mm. I I just really like her, and it was a pairing that I'm very intrigued by because I would really like Kira Knightley to do more things where she can be sort of like a normal person instead of a duchess or a pirate or a queen or something like that. I think maybe it'll help people relate to her and like her as much as I do. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, that's just... Therese, what's your opinion on her? Kira Knightley? Mm-hmm. I don't have an opinion on her. All right, that's Honestly, weird. I really liked her in Bend It Like Beckham. Oh, well, that movie's amazing. <laughs> like her first movie. Yeah, it's yeah. an amazing yeah. movie. It's really She's good. fine. She's a good actress. I don't, I guess I don't have too much of an opinion on her. Guys, I don't really have a one five thing. I've been so busy. So the only thing new in my life is I've been listening to the uh, Tegan and Sarah album Heartthrobs on repeat. So good. Oh, it's like 90s pop. It's so good. It's like, it's like 14-year-old Shannon has found her new favorite album, and I love it. And it's, like, yeah. happy and great. And they're these two super hot lesbian twins, and they're awesome. <laughs> and their song Closer is probably one of the hottest best dance songs ever, and you should all download it. And that's Play our jam. So yeah, I, I think this album has been out since, like, the fall, but it's really, like, the album of the summer for me. It's summer music, it's so everybody should get on the bandwagon now. It's really good. Okay. Well, that's all I got. Okay. I'm going to reiterate that everyone needs to watch The Bletchley Circle on PBS. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to another episode of Damsels in Discussion. You can find us on Facebook by searching Damsels in Discussion, on Twitter at damsels underscore discuss, and on Tumblr at damselsdiscuss.tumblr.com. Send us a comment or a question, and we will be glad to respond, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.